Is there a path for DJ Uyunglele to come to the Pac-12 now that UCLA seems solidified at the quarterback position? Maybe. Maybe. What's Oregon State going to do? Hmm, let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your number one source. To stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions, like, comment, subscribe, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show. A shout-out to everyone who has done that on the YouTube side. We just hit 1,500 subscriptions on the YouTube channel. Beyond my wildest dreams. Thank you so much. Speaking of dreams, Oregon State fans have been doing that a lot, I imagine, in the days since their big win in the Las Vegas Bowl, which was a great showing, by the way, in more ways than one, as I talked about the other day on the show. But was that yesterday? I don't know. All the days are blending together. You can go to the channel and check it out if you missed it. But Oregon State now has an option. They have an option. Do they run it back with Ben Goldbranson, who just went, what, 6-1, and 7-1 and one as a starter? Was part of the third 10-win season and the first since 2006? Do they do that, or do they try and upgrade? And this speaks to the mentality and the mindset that I discussed with Oregon State on, I believe it was Monday's show. Are you content being good? Or do you want to try and take that next step? And anyone who watched Oregon State this year knows they're a quarterback away this year from being in that upper echelon of Pac-12 teams. They were at the very top of that next tier, but they weren't in the conference championship conversation because of the quarterback. Which brings us to the guy I mentioned in the early going, DJ Uyunglele, whose brother will be committing perhaps at some point today as you listen to this show. Whenever you listen to or watch this show, I appreciate you whether you do it you know, an hour after it drops, a day, or a week after it drops. Doesn't matter to me. I appreciate you consuming the show. He may already have committed or announced that he's not going to commit at all. However, Paono HB, which is a heck of a name on YouTube, asks, do you think DJU lands in the pack? Oregon State, Wazoo, Cal. He also asks one other question. What are your thoughts on Singer to USC? Definitely going to talk about that later because I have many a thoughts. I think I shared them briefly not long ago. I don't know. Everything blends together, and I think it's an interesting question. But could DJU really wind up in the pack? Yeah, the answer here is yes. Yes, he could. It is not out of the realm of possibility. Now, UCLA was the prohibitive favorite for a while until they got late into the Dante Moore sweepstakes, won such sweepstakes, and got Colin Schlee from Kent State, which creates an interesting quarterback situation that uh, Oregon State fans will want to monitor. But there are still other teams that DJU could come and play for. And the teams he mentioned, I think, except for Wazoo, could all be in that discussion. I do not believe 
that Cam Ward is going to go to the NFL. I think he still has a lot of refinement in his game. I don't think you can play for two years at the FCS level, one at the FBS, go seven and six at Wazoo, and be a little inconsistent with the offense at times and get selected the way you would like to as a quarterback. Cam Ward could be that one day. I suspect he'll be back. So DJU would not go there. I don't think he would go there anyway, even though he looked really bad at times at Clemson, also looked really good at times at Clemson. I would not rule out Cal for one reason and one reason only. And it's not that Cal needs a quarterback, which they do. And he'd be the most talented Cal quarterback since Jared Goff. DJU is from the state of California. And when you have gone all the way across the country and it has not worked out the way you thought, there can be a desire in your mind to go and be close to home, be somewhere comfortable. And St. John Bosco's in the southern part of the state. Sure, but USC and UCLA, those are not options anymore for him. But, 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 Cal? Yeah, they don't 100% take him. Would he go to Cal? I really doubt it. And if if Shadur Sanders, I apologize if I butchered that name, Deion Sanders kid, if he wasn't going to be the quarterback of Colorado, I think that would be a really intriguing fit. And I think it would be on his radar. Instead, I'd be surprised if it is. But just solely because of the geographical proximity to home, I don't think you could rule out the Cal Bears. But if I'm DJU and looking for my next transfer portal destination, I am looking squarely at Oregon State. Maybe not only Oregon State because of who else could be in the mix, but I would not discount the Beavs and I would make them a contender. Because what does Oregon State have to present to DJU? An opportunity to win a good football team that needs a better quarterback, but also a football team that is not relying on the quarterback. Here's what we know about DJ Uyangalule, who I will now refer to once again as DJU. He went to Clemson as a five-star recruit because he has high-level physical traits. He's pretty mobile. He's big. He's sturdy. He's got a big arm. Accuracy, little hit and miss, but has high-level traits for a college quarterback. And we know that at Clemson, he wasn't able to succeed. Could there be two offenses more different than Oregon State and Clemson? I don't think so. Because Oregon State is looking for a quarterback who can do more than what Goldbranson did, which was still win a lot of football games. Meaning, if you're DJU, you don't want to be at a place where you are dealing with high expectations. You don't have that at Oregon State. They're not, they're not on the national radar in a major way. They're moving into that category. They're ending the year ranked. They'll probably start the season ranked next year, or at least they should. But you don't have the same sort of pressure at Oregon State as you do being at Clemson. That's the first part of it. Then, if you're talking about play on the field, Clemson asks a lot of their quarterbacks. Who have Clemson's national championship winning or capable teams come with? Deshaun Watson. 
Yeah, he was pretty good. Trevor Lawrence. They had running games. They were there. They were a part of the offense, but the feature of the offense was the quarterback. So before you dismiss DJU as no good, terrible, very bad, awful, he can't do this, that, and the other thing, he can't do it consistently. Again, showed glimpses, but was not able to do it consistently in an offense that is very quarterback-centric. For example, if he went up to Washington, where Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb are dialing up an offense dependent upon and run straight through the quarterback, I'd say, no, not a good fit. But Oregon State, Cal, neither one of them are asking the quarterback to be the biggest part of the offense. So he would go there and have a reduced role. I think he's got a chance to succeed in that environment. I, I, I do. I also thought that I had a chance at succeeding at betting this year, but my friends at Bet Online got the better of me for the most part with my Pac-12 prime picks. I am 2-0 so far in bowl season for the Pac-12 with Washington State and Oregon State, but um, we'll see if I can climb it over 500 with five games remaining, three games under right now. But regardless of how good you are or not, Bet Online is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup. We've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. The idea of being in an offense that needs good quarterback play every now and then versus an offense that needs good quarterback play always and great quarterback play every now and then is monumental. And you combine that with the reduced pressure of being in a program like Oregon State or Cal, I think it's a place where DJU can succeed. Those are the only two realistic options because... Coach Sanders is going to start his son at Colorado. Cam Rising will probably be back at Utah. By the way, Pac-12 quarterback play next year. Absurdly loaded. Cam Ward at Wazoo. Bo Nix at Oregon. Michael Penix at Washington. Delora at Arizona. They brought in Drew Pine, the Notre Dame starter from this year, to Arizona State. That's who Dillingham is rolling with. UCLA's got either Colin Schley or Dante Moore, five-star freshman. And USC's got Caleb Williams with Malachi Nelson waiting in the wings. So that leaves Cal and Oregon State. And guess what? They could both be really good fits. They could both be really good fits. Would DJU consider them? Only DJ knows. Only DJ truly knows where he would actually be willing to go play. But Clemson is a program that looked like they'd be a dynasty, an Alabama challenger. Instead, they've taken a step back. They're still very good, but they're not what they were. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of attention. You've got big names, Dabo Sweeney. Go to Oregon State. I still don't know what Jonathan Smith's voice sounds like. Got no clue. Oregon State gets disrespected all the time because they're not a big national brand. And you're not asked to do as much in the offense as the quarterback. You just need to be better than what Cole Branson was at times this year. And I think DJU is capable. He'd be foolish to not consider Oregon State. Could be a good fit. Cal, same thing. 
I'd go to Oregon State over Cal because one has got an upward trajectory for next year and one won fewer games than it did a year ago. But maybe he wants to be in-state, make it easier for family to get out to home games. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, moving on here, but uh, kind of staying on the same subject. Oregon State. Who are you going to look at for a transfer quarterback? Who are the options? I've got names to throw out. I did my best for you Oregon State fans to speak Cade McNamara into existence. He instead wanted to go to Iowa. It's the wrong choice. It is the wrong choice. At the top of the Beavers wish list right now, and a pursuit is underway, is Hudson Card. This would be a phenomenal addition for Oregon State. It would be outstanding if the Beavs were to have Hudson Card as their starting quarterback next year. Is he a world beater? No. But is he quite good and good enough to, with a Texas team that was pretty good but not great this year, come this close to beating Alabama? Yeah. Would that be an upgrade over Ben Goldbranson? Massively. Put Ben Goldbranson in that game for Texas against Alabama. I don't know if they get a first down. Hudson Card is very capable. And much like DJU, would not have to do as much as he did during his playing time at Texas. Because it's not what the Oregon State offense demands. Oregon State is not out there looking for someone who can come and remodel the entire house. They're not looking for a contractor. They're looking for a subcontractor. They're looking for someone who can do this one specific thing a little better. They've got all these other pieces of the house figured out. They've got a contractor. They've got the plumbing situated. They've got an electric guy. They just need a painter. They just need a painter. And they didn't really have one this year. They got by with your friend's cousin who is a really talented painter but doesn't do it professionally but somehow made it look good enough. But if you're trying to increase the resale value of this house, that paint has to look pristine. And you have to be able to take that next step forward. That is a much different situation than someone that, that or some school rather or program that is looking for someone to carry their offense in 2023 and beyond potentially. That's not what Oregon State needs. I think that's what makes it such an appealing spot. Hudson Card, top of the list, should be. Totally agree. Names to watch out for here. Ethan Garbers is now looking like the number three quarterback at UCLA. Colin Schley has started games at Kent State. Dante Moore is a higher-rated recruit. And by bringing in both those guys in the same cycle when Garbers appeared poised to be the starter of the future, that to me is a clear message from Chip Kelly that, yeah, sorry, bud. Sorry, bud. We're, we're going to aim a little bit higher here. But in the limited action that I've seen, Ethan Garbers... He's competent, he's got an arm, he's a little mobile, and he doesn't have to throw the ball 50 times a game. I watched his brother play at Cal. They're pretty similar. I think Gar- I think Ethan might even have a better arm than Chase. I, I, I do. Again, we haven't seen a lot. You don't know what's happening there, but Jonathan Smith is a good coach. I think Brian Lindgren is a good OC. I would look for that name to be in the portal pretty darn soon because there is not a path to him playing at UCLA. There was, and then they added not one, but two quarterbacks 
this cycle. One out of the prep class that's really highly rated, the number two or three player in the country, or eight, I don't know, top 10 player in the country, depending on where you look, and a starting quarterback who grades as a four-star transfer. You bring in those sorts of guys, Ethan Garbers, he's not going to be able to see the field. He just isn't. Which means he's not at that high, high level, super high ceiling quarterback potential that UCLA is looking for and that Chip Kelly's had with DTR the last few years. But listen to everything I've been saying about Oregon State that in, in this show. Do they need a DTR productive level player? No. They just need a step up from Ben Goldbranson and move him back to a backup quarterback role, potentially. Maybe he'd transfer out. I don't know. But that is a name that I don't think is getting a lot of buzz right now, and it should, which is why we're bringing him up here on the show. Here's another one. And these two are kind of in the same boat, kind of not. One of them is in the portal. One of them is not. Here's the guy who's not. His name is Sam Heward. He has been discussed here on the show. And I, again, do not think it is ridiculous to think that he could enter the portal. Now, this seems less likely than about a week ago when Lincoln Keenholz was committed to Washington and was going to be coming in, but he's not anymore. And that seems to increase the likelihood that Sam Heward will stick with Washington, wait behind Penix another year, and then have an opportunity to claim the starting job. But maybe by the time the spring portal transfer window comes around, we don't know who Washington's going to add at the quarterback ranks. They could add another transfer quarterback. They could get one in the 2023 cycle, snag one late in the process, the way a lot of teams have done. Remember, today is the early signing window. There is another signing window in February. And there's the first transfer portal window that closes on January 18th. And then there's another one in the spring. If Sam Heward finds himself third on the depth chart for Washington going into spring football or during spring football, he might just pop his name into the transfer portal. In Oregon State, maybe they've already got a quarterback via the portal by then. Maybe they don't. That is 100% a name to follow. Hasn't played a lot. The time he has seen on the field, he is not impressed. He's been a little deer in the headlights. But again, for a guy like that, Oregon State could be a great fit because you don't have to do very much. You got to learn the offense and you got to be able to execute a solid throw every now and then. But they don't ask you to do anything incredible. They don't need you to throw for 300 yards a game. They just need you to throw for like 200 to 220 yards a game. You do that at Oregon State, they'll try and find a way to give you a lifetime contract with the way they're playing offense over there. And it works, by the way. Here's the last name I will throw out for the Oregon State quarterback opening at this point in time. Jay Butterfield was a pro-style quarterback coming out of high school. Blue chipper, went to Oregon, never saw the field in game action. He is an unknown commodity. But based on what I've seen from him in Oregon spring games, and based on what we know about him from his high school playing days, there's some potential there. And it would not be the first time that a highly rated recruit who started his career at Oregon 
ended up transferring to Oregon State. Now, granted, Thomas Tyner played a lot at Oregon, was part of that national championship team that lost to Ohio State in, in the natty. So it was a little different. He medically retired, was able to come back, went to Oregon State. I'm just saying, if you think like a duck would never go be a beaver, I don't know. If Oregon State is able to say, hey, you're going to come here and be the starting quarterback, mm, that's probably pretty appealing. And Jay Butterfield, pro-style quarterback, gives you a lot of Cam Rising vibes in the limited action you've seen him. Not the biggest arm, but pretty accurate, solid. I don't think he's quite as mobile as Rising, but he's a decent athlete. That is a name to follow. Okay, let's close with this. The other question from my guy, Paono HB, uh, who asked another fascinating question. And, and by the way, a number of you have been asking questions, and I love it. Seriously, I love answering your questions. I want to know what you are thinking about to discuss here on the show. I will answer questions about any school, any player, any program, any time here on the show. They've been coming in at a higher rate, so I can't get to all of them today. Like Paolo HB sent me another one. That'll be on a future show. I write them all down. I make an effort to not forget. So his other question, what are your thoughts on Dorian Singer to USC? This is the epitome. And USC fans, any listening or watching right now, probably not going to like this segment very much. But this is the reality. I do think Trojan fans embrace being the villain a little bit, so maybe they'll understand. However, this is why people hate USC. This is why people hate the transfer portal. And this is why people have called for, at times, ways to balance the playing field when it comes to talent acquisition in college football, which is designed to allow great teams to continue to thrive. They don't always but it is certainly designed for that more than professional sports where the worst teams get the best players who are coming out of a lower level, high school for college and college for pro. The transfer portal exacerbates complaints people have had for years about recruiting, which is, well, the best players go to the best schools. So how are we supposed to catch up to them if we're a smaller school? Part of a larger conversation with regards to college athletics. But Dorian Singer was not just a wide receiver, right? Not even like Brendan Rice at Colorado last year, who didn't play a lot for the Trojans this year. I mean, he played, but wasn't a huge part of the offense, but just wanted to be there because, well, it's USC, and you know they've got a lot of NIL money, and they've uh, you know got the ability to go to the conference championship game, as they did with a player like Caleb Williams and a coach like Lincoln Riley. Dorian Singer was not a guy who played a little and was looking for more playing time. That's what the best of the transfer portal represents. Guys who have some potential, aren't vibing with the coaching staff. Maybe there was a coaching change. They're looking for a change of scenery. They want to see more time on the field. That's what the best, quote unquote, of the transfer portal is. But this, you can make a pretty easy case that it's the worst. Because Arizona is not a program that has a rich tradition of winning. They went to a Fiesta Bowl in, I think it was 2014-15, that season. But they don't make regular appearances in those sorts of games. They've been to one Pac-12 championship game. They're a program that, when things go awry, 
they lose 12 straight games when you hire a new coach. You you you, you, you surmise, 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 I don't know. You have a 20-game losing streak at one point in time. And now Jed Fish is building it back up. One win last year. Five wins this year. Trending upward. And you lose one of your best players to the portal because USC is a bigger brand and because Lincoln Riley is an explosive offensive coach, particularly for wide receivers. But the frustrating thing, if you're an Arizona fan here, is, man, weren't we throwing the ball a lot? Wasn't Dorian Singer heavily involved? Last time I checked, that guy had over 1,000 receiving yards this year. He was a second-team All-Pac-12 performer. This wasn't a guy who had a bunch of potential. You know, it's not like T-Mac wasn't playing, and he decided to go in the portal. Dorian Singer was supposed to be someone who helped continue this Arizona rebuild. But like a lot of players in the transfer portal era, they got impatient because the opportunity is now readily available to say, why would I wait around and try and build something here or be a part of this rebuild to maybe get to a conference championship game when I can just go over there and take the easy way out? And yeah, that's what Dorian Singer is doing here. Do I understand it? Yep. Can I also criticize it at the same time? I think so. This is the downside of the transfer portal. I I hate this move. I absolutely hate this move because of what it means for programs like Arizona. It benefits the big programs to be able to just go. It's like smaller schools that don't have as big a tradition are just a farm system. Like that scene in Moneyball when Billy Bean's talking about Man, we're a farm system for the New York Yankees. That's what this feels like. That's what this feels like. Arizona will still be able to score points next year, but is it the same without Dorian Singer? No, it's it, it it's not. And that's a that's a piece you got to replace. Now the portal taketh, the portal can giveth. Arizona's been adding some players that have the potential to make an impact. Justin Flo from Oregon probably going to be a starting linebacker this year. But they need to go find someone to replace Dorian Singer because their running game was inconsistent this year because their offensive line needs some work. But Jaden Delora had three weapons he could go to. And the difference between three and two is dramatic. When you're trying to defend that offense, which was one of the best in the Pac-12 this year because of the passing game, and you've got T-Mac, Dorian Singer, and Jacob Cowing, that's a lot different than just T-Mac and Jacob Cowing. It's a lot different. It sucks for Arizona. It's great for USC. Gosh, is that a good addition? Because Singer's a really good player. And when they lose Jordan Addison, I don't know if Mario Williams is back or not. I, I don't remember what his eligibility situation is. But when they lose Jordan Addison, you're going to have a void. But this is the advantage of being USC. You can bring in playmakers like that immediately in the transfer portal era, and Lincoln Riley is clearly very good at it. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time, and hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day.